Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Truth. I'm your host, the one you love the most, Niall Hassan, back with another episode here in The Truth. Once again, joined by my boy, AJ Ponciano. AJ, how are you doing here today? I'm doing great now. How have you been? Been pretty good as well. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we are continuing our 32 Teams in 32 Days series, episode number 19, I believe it is, as we are going to be taking a deeper dive and look into the Cincinnati Bengals for the upcoming season. For those that are new to 32 teams in 32 days, it is your individual team preview as we prepare for the upcoming NFL season, as well as fantasy season as well. We don't discriminate here, but we are getting you guys prepared for either your favorite team, the Cincinnati Bengals, a team that you want to learn more information about, or just because you like listening to us talk. Um, that's what we're going to be doing here today. So how it works is we'll go over our three key players. We'll go over our bus, breakout player, sleeper player, team MVP, two key draft picks, and offseason moves. Our three keys to success in our divisional prediction for the upcoming year. Thanks about time we hop into it, starting with you, AJ. Who are your three key players for the Cincinnati Bengals this season? I mean, first one's going to be Joe, Burr, Joe Burrow. I mean... Uh, we saw the calf injury that he had early on in camp. Uh, everything says they should be fine. I think he said that he should be fine. He should be cleared for week one. There shouldn't be any type of issues for that. But, I mean, we saw when he was on the field and then when he was on the field and he had the injuries rookie year early on. Uh, I just, yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow is one of the top quarterbacks in the league. Next up, I'm going to go with Jamar Chase. I mean, the connection they've had there since LSU uh, just unmatched. I mean, it seems like they already know what they're doing before they even do it. I mean, grand, yes, that's kind of what you <laughs> plan up like it on a play, but I mean, it seems like they're always in the right spot. They're always on a regular, they always have a connection. And last year, even when Jamar missed five games, he still had over a thousand yards, had six more receptions, nine touchdowns. I mean, 29 games, he has 22 touchdowns, 2,500 receiving yards, 164 receptions. I mean, just overall, I mean, he's just been a stud his entire career so far. Yeah, it's only been two years, but it's just that connection that him and Burrow already have. And next up, I'm going to have Orlando Brown, uh, a free agent sign they had this last offseason, formerly with the uh, Chiefs, being able to protect Mahomes there. He's going to do that now with Burrow. I mean, we saw how much Burrow was running for his life. I think he was something like the most sacked quarterback uh, just like the year they went to the Super Bowl against the Rams. Uh, and then he was also up there this past year, I believe. Also, I mean, just protecting Joe Burrow is going to be the biggest thing, especially now because of the injury he had early on in his career and now just this calf one that's uh, flared up as recently. Just being able to keep him on his feet is going to be what's most needed for this team. Yeah, Joe Burr, Big Burr is my first key player for the Cincinnati Bengals this season. I mean, Joe Burr is one of the guys that a lot of people are excited about year in and year out. I mean, Number one overall pick back in 2020. He's lived up to the hype so far. First season, I mean, 10 games, 2,688 yards, 13 touchdowns, five interceptions, fine. But, you know, last season, 4,475 yards, 35 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions. I mean, it helps when you have guys like Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, to filter in the mix. But, I mean, Joe Burrow is a dynamic quarterback in of itself. I think a lot of people were excited to see the big Joe Burrow movement. I mean, Bengals fans, I mean, the Bengals were the number one overall pick, and they were and Joe Burrow alongside all the other guys they have as far as their helping core, I guess you could say, have really galvanized this Bengals team and have now put the Bengals in contention to win a Super Bowl. I mean, they recently were just in a Super Bowl. So, I mean, they're in a really good position. I feel like they're only going to get better as time goes on. So it's kind of a good thing if you're a, if you're a Bengals fan. I mean, you're living very 
very good right now. And, and having Joe Burrow as your franchise quarterback is something that's going to be uh, be huge for him. So Joe Burrow going into this year, I mean, the expectations are still the same as far as productivity. They expect him to be as you know successful as he has been. I mean, he has been dealing with some injuries. We know that. But, um, you know, the cap is a tricky one. You did mention that he should be good to go for week one. Obviously, I believe it was like a non-contact to start. Well, I know it was when he got injured either got carted off or helped off. And a lot of people, you know, obviously jumped to conclusions. And, you know, it's good that it was the calf, but calves are also scary at times because calves sometimes take a while to develop, especially where a quarterback uses his calves as much or his legs as much as Joe Burrow does. So it can be a bit scary at times, but he seems to be good and progressing well. And, I mean, he's dealt with an injury in his past too, so he knows what he's got He's got in front of him. But he should be um, in, the, in the driver's seat as far as where his career is at and continuing to just progress this Bengals team to – be a perennial Super Bowl team year in, year out. And then uh, my next key player is obvious. It's Jamar Chase. I mean, Joe Burrow isn't Jamar Chase and vice versa. I mean, my opinion, I mean, Jamar Chase, he, uh, you know, LSU knew the ranks of Joe Burrow last season, 87 receptions, 1,046 yards and nine touchdowns. Some may say it was a quote unquote down year for a guy like Jamar Chase the year before 81 receptions, 1,455 yards and 13 touchdowns. But, I mean, at the end of the day, too, it's hard to be a wide receiver in the NFL. It's hard to be any position in the NFL, but wide receiver particularly because teams get accustomed to kind of seeing what stuff you run and, and whatnot, and then wide receivers particularly get double teamed. But I think this is going to be the best season for Jamar Chase going into this campaign. I think he has the potential to eclipse 1,500 yards, 100 receptions, and, you know, back to the 10-plus touchdowns. So Jamar Chase is going to be an integral part, obviously, for this offense. We already knew that, but just how big of an impact he'll make, I guess, is I guess time will tell. But he seems to be, you know, right back in the mix. He's in fantasy purposes. I think him and Jay Jettas are the two wide receivers that are number one and number two, and then the drafts upcoming. So he's the guy that you can know you can draft as long as he stays healthy. He's going to be consistent. Last year he appeared in twelve games. He was dealing with an injury, uh, but he should be good to go going into this year and going into his third season. You know, how it's going to be a big thing, and how how deep can this Bengals offense, you know, take the Bengals as a whole. And then finally, I might go with a little bit of a surprise one here, but I'm going to go with Trey Hendrickson, defensive end. I believe they signed him to a pretty nice deal. Obviously, you know a little bit of Trey Hendrickson. He played with the Saints in previous years, and that 2020 season for him was huge, 13 and a half sacks. His first season with the Bengals, 14 sacks. Last year was only at eight, which is kind of funny to say it was only at eight instead of a productive season. But going into the season, he's going to be huge for the Bengals and their defense is, is solid, but it's not as good as their offense. Everyone knows that, but more importantly, having a guy like Hendrickson staple the front side on the defensive side is going to be huge. Hendrickson is one of those guys too, that you don't expect to have 14, 13 and a half sack season, but he really has it going into the season. He's honestly the focal point of that Bengals defense or one of the focal points there. And like I said, you can have a great offense, but if you don't have a great defense, there's no point. So having a good balance there with him is going to be huge. And then, as mentioned, I guess, contributing factors that they can also bring in to the defensive mixer. But they did invest in Trey Hendrickson. They do believe that he is going to be very helpful for them. And um, they have a lot of, I guess, um, upside with him going into this season. Okay, your bust. So, Joe Mixon, that may be an interesting one, but my breakout play will, will make sense why. I mean, Joe Mixon, if you take away the five touchdown performance he had, uh, last year, I mean, he would have only had, if you took that away, he would have only had four combined touchdowns in 14 games, or 13 games if you take away that game as a whole. Last year in 14 games, had 814 rushing yards, seven rushing touchdowns, 441 receiving yards, which was a career high of two receiving touchdowns. I just don't think, uh, especially how running backs are being treated now, that there's not going to be, they're going to want to try to develop, I mean, another younger guy. 
Uh, yes, Joe Mixon's gonna. I think he's gonna be 29 this year or 28 this year. Uh, he's still fairly young uh, in his career. I mean, he's only going into year seven. I mean, for being drafted back in 2017, only being 27, 28 years old, it's like a round pick. He's talented. There's no doubt there. It's just how are they gonna want to pay him? Are they gonna want to try to move him potentially? They have a couple other running backs on their roster, especially the one who I have I'm going to talk about as my breakout player next. Yeah, so for me, it's going to be Joe Mixon as well. I don't think Joe Mixon is necessarily a bad running back, but you talk about primarily with Joe Mixon, it's his fantasy value. I mean, his fantasy value is concerning because last year you mentioned those five touchdowns. He doesn't have those five touchdowns. He's basically a nobody as far as fantasy is concerned at the running back position. And I've been trying to like wait for the Joe Mixon hype to kind of subside because I realized that you got an offense like the Bengals do, like he should thrive, but he just quote unquote has it besides that one game. And it's concerning. I mean, you don't want to have a guy like that who's just a bit inconsistent. And, you know, they also have some other running backs in their roster that can basically do the same thing as Joe Mixon. I mean, it's not that hard to put a guy, whoever is the, you know, running back there and say, hey, go play Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and, you know, good luck. Like, try to have success. Like, obviously, they're going to have success. And it's just like a dumb thing to even say. So I can see why people are buying the Joe Mixon hype, but I just don't buy it going into the season. I think more than anything, it's just going to be a not a good season. And, more, it's just going to be, I guess, he's just going to be hurt compared to, not necessarily hurt physically, but just his fantasy production is the, the main reason why I'm concerned. Um, I mean, that's all everyone cares about anymore, unless you're a Bengals fan, is, is uh, fantasy production. So it does concern me, but we'll see. Uh, maybe he does finally step it up this year, but I think it's too much of a risk. And I feel like we've been kind of waiting for a while to see if he'd be able to have his fantasy value that he was supposed to have in the first place. Okay, your breakout player. So my breakout player is actually going to be a rookie, and it's because I don't, I think they're going to want to try to use him. Uh, you could potentially put this guy as my sleeper uh, overall, but my breakout player I have is going to be Chase Brown. Uh, Chase Brown in college went to uh, Western Michigan first and then transferred over to Illinois. Uh, Illinois, I know it's the Big Ten, but still had three had 329 rush attempts in 12 games, 1,600 yards, 10 rushing touchdowns also had 27 receptions with 240 receiving yards with three touchdowns i mean just those amount of like receptions and attempts that he's pushing uh over 350 i mean just a workhorse right there and he's coming off a year where he only had 170 the, or sorry uh yeah right 180 the year before between rushing and receiving uh either attempts or receptions so i mean just being a workhorse like that i think that's someone they're going to want to try to use a little bit more this year so mine's going to be a bit of a wild card, and it's going to be Nick Scott, a 2019 seventh-round selection from the Rams out of Penn State on the defensive side. Look, we obviously know on the offensive side there's a lot of opportunity for success. He's going into the Bengals now where, I mean, yeah, in the secondary there was always guys like Jalen Ramsey or whatever. Maybe he didn't get as much production or names or noise as he did, and he also wasn't a guy that wasn't jumping off the stat sheet. I mean, he was a guy that was consistently just hanging around the mix, but last year at the Rams, had two interceptions, had 86 tackles, and two forced fumbles. Nobody's talking about Nick Scott, and I think for the Bengals, they need some depth like this, especially at the secondary position. And Nick Scott has all the capabilities of being a star, like, you know, potential other safeties or cornerbacks in the league, and the big thing with him as far as is just getting his name out there and being – familiarize as far as against uh, around the league and 
having people kind of notice who he is more compared to just being this guy that just kind of sits in the shadows. I'm not saying he sits in the shadows. I'm not saying he's not good, but just kind of that whole philosophy behind that and seeing that, okay, it is okay. Um, he is a guy that is, is going to be successful and whatnot. And that's all something that, you know, as time goes on, you, you develop more and more and then you kind of see who's up, who's down and all that stuff. So we'll see for sure. But I definitely think Nick Scott, Nick Scott has definitely the opportunity to, to quote unquote blow up and become a breakout player for this Bengals team. Okay, your sleeper player. So for my sleeper player, I have Irv Smith Jr. Irv Smith Jr. did get a lot of opportunities, it felt like, over there uh, with their Minnesota Vikings. He only had 35, or 25 receptions, 182 receiving yards, two touchdowns. The year before that, 365 receiving yards, five touchdowns. So he's been able to get a decent amount of touchdowns when he does play. He does have nine uh, so far in three years, but hasn't broken a thousand yards combined on his career with 91 receptions. Uh, granted, his, tech, his catch percentage is at 72.2% on his career, so really pretty good percentage for tight end, especially being more middle of the field tight end. But getting rid of uh, uh, Hurst last year, uh, him going over to Baltimore, I believe, uh, it really opens up this tight end room. I mean, they don't have any. Drew Sample is really the only other tight end on this roster that has a real notable name to him. I think Irv Smith's still decently young, second-round pick, first last year. I think that having another, like, receiving threat like Irv Smith uh, Jr., being able to do use him in this offense, especially how good the wide receivers are, his space off the field, is going to open up a lot of opportunities for him this year. Yeah, so mine's going to be Logan Wilson. Uh, again, Logan Wilson, as far as where he's at as his career there and in uh, Cincinnati, I think he started to get more of a name for himself. But going into his fourth season out of Wyoming, former third third round selection, 65th overall pick back in 2020, every year he's gotten better and better. He's played in more games from 12 to 13 to 15. His tackles have jumped up from 33 to 100 to 123. And last year he also had a career high in sacks, which isn't a lot, but two and a half sacks. So he's starting to get more familiarized with the league. And looking at the Bengals, I keep talking about a lot of defensive guys that have a lot of opportunity to be great. Logan Wilson is one of those guys, too. I think a lot of people started to kind of pay attention to him more in the 2021 season. But more than anything going into this season, he's a guy that, again, is going to continue to get more recognition and continue to have more success, particularly for the Bengals, and be more of a uh, dual threat linebacker there who's good at also stopping the run in the past. I mean, good good run defender, which is huge in this division. And all in all, he's a really good five-tool linebacker, in my opinion. That's something that will play to his advantage and something that will help him continue to develop in this league and continue to be one of the more high-prolific linebackers, per se, as time goes on. But like I said, only going into his fourth season, I almost feel like I want to say the sky's the roof, even though it's so cliche. And I mean, can you really make it for a guy like Logan Wilson? I do believe so. So I'm liking Logan Wilson a lot this year. And I think after this year, people are going to, not necessarily not they're not gonna necessarily know his name, but really kind of establish himself as one of the more premier linebackers in the entire league. Okay, and then your team MVP. I think team MVP is gonna be obvious. It's Joe Burrow, Joe Sight, Joe Shicey and Joe Burrow. I mean, last year twelve and fourteen records and stuff, four four thousand four hundred and seventy five yards, thirty five touchdowns, twenty interceptions. I mean, if you be able to do that every year, the year before, thirty five touchdowns to fourteen uh, interceptions, playing 16 games these last two years. Just overall, I mean, he's been, again, one of the better quarterbacks in the entire league. Uh, just led him to the Super Bowl one year already, was a pro bowler. Uh, already won the comeback player of the year after the injuries, rookie year. Yeah, I just have Joe Burrow as my team MVP. 
Yeah, it's obvious. I mean, Joe Burrow is the team MVP for the Bengals this year. I mean, some may argue it's Jamar Chase, but is Jamar Chase good without Joe Burrow? No. I mean, at the end of the day, like, yeah, you want to maybe put a guy like Jamar Chase or your team MVP, but Joe Burrow is complete command of the offense. He's a leader. He's already proven a lot of people wrong. He obviously came back from that injury, had good success there going into the league, and that was nice to see. And then just everything surrounding Joe Burrow and the surrounding cast that he has, it's great when you have all these, you know, five tool wide receivers or whatever, but Joe's shysty. I mean, he's Joe shysty for a reason as our Bengals fans know that um, he is their quarterback. And I mean, it's a good thing that you have. I mean, I love Kirk Cousins, but having Joe Burrow, oh, I mean, Joe shysty, Kirk Thuggins, it's like a deadly combination, but yeah, Joe Burrow, I think is pretty obvious as far as who the team MVP is going to be. Okay. Your two key draft picks for the Bengals this season. So my two G- key draft picks, my first one's going to be Miles Murphy. Uh, out of Clemson, I mean, he's been dominant basically his entire career. Uh, you're, he's especially consistent, consistently wise. I mean, he's going to get you right around 40 tackles as a DN, minimum 10 tackles per loss. Freshman had four sacks, but then went up to eight and then six and a half. Going to give you one or two pass deflections. I mean, he's forced fumbles. Freshman year went three, then two, then one. So six combined there, so average up about two a year. I mean, just overall, I mean, he's been able to do whatever he wants to do. Yeah, you have Trey Hendrickson there. They like Sam Hubbard. They have some other guys on the D-line also, DNs. But I think they make an impact uh, really quickly, especially having Hendrickson on the other side of him. And next up, I'm going to go with uh, Jordan Battle. I really liked him out of Alabama. Uh, I believe was the third-round pick, I want to say. Uh, last year at Alabama – only played 13 games, had a half a stack, 71 combined tackles, had a pick, uh, two pass deflections. But the year before that, his junior probably could have argued he could have gone out and gone and got drafted after his junior. Got 100, or sorry, had 85 combined tackles, uh, no sacks, but had three interceptions, had two pass deflections, had two touchdowns, so two pick sixes there. I mean, he could have argued he could have. Uh, when got drafted in 2021 also off the stats he put up. Yes, my first one, as you mentioned, is Miles Murphy. I like Miles Murphy, especially coming out of Clemson, one of the more prolific schools in all of the nation at the edge position there. Great speed for his size, very much so an athlete, which is huge. I feel like, again, I mean, it's always been important to be an athlete. I mean, that's obvious. But especially in today's day and age, every position, even offensive linemen, defensive linemen, et cetera, like it's so important to be just so athletic and can't just be like this big, tall athlete I mean not like but this big tall human being that just is like a force to be reckoned with like you have to be athletic you have to have size and Miles Murphy is that he also can blast off of blockers which is something that's going to benefit him tremendously especially facing some of the edges that he will be facing as far as offensive line is concerned having a guy at the edge position that can just fly off an offensive lineman is going to be huge really excited to see the production that he does make there in his first season with the Bengals and I guess his um Time goes on. And a player comp, I like doing player comps, particularly when they're my Vikings. But Daniel Hunter, I mean, sure, is he as ripped and loaded as Daniel Hunter? No, but he reminds me of the same, a lot of the same as far as who, how he is as a player, how he is as, you know, in general, and, and how he wants to be like a successful player. And so all in all, it reminds me of like a Daniel Hunter. And Daniel Hunter's had a good 10 years so far in Minnesota. And I like Daniel Hunter. So it'd be, uh, be excited to see as time goes on. And then the other one that I put on here was DJ Turner out of Michigan. Love DJ Turner. Got to watch a lot of DJ Turner when, you know, Iowa would get no, basically not a good passer to, to the throw of DJ Turner. But he's a dynamic all-around cornerback. 
again, athletic and fast for his size. He's a ball hawk. He's going to be a guy that takes the ball away a lot. And that's going to be huge for the Bengals to continue be able to produce points and have success there because if they're able to produce points at a high eclipse like they do, um, then they're in a really good position moving forward. So I like that DJ Halt or DJ Turner pick, excuse me, especially in the second round. You weren't reaching for him or anything like that. So it, all in all, it was a great decision to go out and get him and see again what kind of success he is able to have for the Bengals. Okay, your two key off-season moves. So for my two key off-season moves, I'm going to go with the big one first is Orlando Brown Jr. I mean, they signed him to that big contract, four years, $64 million for a reason. They need to protect Joe Burrow. Like I mentioned before, uh, just a couple years ago, one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the league and keeps on being that way the last couple years. I mean, Orlando Brown was started with the uh, Baltimore Ravens. I think he started right tackle for a little bit. Then got switched over to left tackle, uh, and then was stayed a left tackle over there at Kansas City for a couple years. I mean, he's been a pro bowler these last four years. He's only been in the league for five years, going to sixth year, sixth year, only 27 years old. I mean, he's going to be a guy who's going to be a staple of that offensive line, um, protecting Joe Burrow for years to come. And then also, I have Irv Smith Jr. I mean, I've talked to, I said, mentioned him as my sleeper. I think that the way they used Hurst last year is they're going to use uh, Irv Smith the same way, and I think Irv Smith a little bit better of a receiving threat than Hurst. I, I just don't think Irv Smith's been able to was able to show when he was with uh, with the Vikings. Yeah, Orlando Brown was obviously the first free agent signing. Obviously, you talked about the contract that they did sign him for. I mean, linemen don't get these massive contracts per se unless they're really reliable options. And you mentioned his fifth season's four Pro Bowl appearances, like. I mean, it just goes to show. And, yeah, you look at guys like Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, all those guys, and you're like, man, those quarterbacks are insane. But they don't do it without offensive line plays. That's why you see running backs always buy uh, some steak dinners for offensive linemen when they have big games, whatever, because it, it takes a lot of work to put your body out there consistently and, you know, just basically get beat, not necessarily beat up, but, you know, broken down on a consistent basis. And that's why it's it's hard for these guys to stay in the league for an extended period of time. But – Orlando Brown's been a guy that's been consistent. I liked his what I added. He used to block for Mahomes. Are Josh Allen, or, uh, Joe Burrow, and Patrick Mahomes the same exact quarterback? No, but they're both very successful and they both have similar games. So you know, being able to used to block for him, have some experience with that, and when you go up again and block for you know Joe Burrow, it could be a situation that ends up being a good thing. So having a little bit of a player comp there. He's still young too, as you mentioned. Good a lot of time left this uh, this big boy, as I put in my notes. I mean. Yeah, he's a guy that's going to be successful, but he's still relatively young. He's got a lot of time to develop. There's obviously things that he can work on, but there's things for every player like that to work on. So it, it can be something that ends up working in his favor. And, and like I said, continue to play for whether it's the Bengals or somebody else. I mean, there's always going to be a home for this guy. I can tell you that right now. And as the career that he's had and the career trajectory rather that he's on, it'll be good there. And then um, Irv Smith Jr., that's my boy. I was really kind of sad to see Irv Smith Jr. go. I mean, he didn't really make an impact for the Vikings just because he was dealing with some injuries, whatever. And then we got TJ Hawkinson. and It just wasn't a good situation. But, I mean, speed-wise, Irv Smith Jr. reminds me a lot of uh, Evan Ingram athletically. I mean, he's a good good option. He, he did struggle a little bit with his pass catching, but I feel like it seems like that's a in today's day and age. I mean, I'm not saying that they're all crappy at that, but – I have seen in the past I mean, other guys struggle with situations like that. And that is a bit concerning for him, but he has a lot of opportunities filling in the roles of Hayden Hurst. And he's going to get a lot of opportunities mentioned with the Cincinnati Bengals compared to being with the Vikings because of 
just as a player. I mean, he's a guy that's in a high prolific offense. And I think going into the season, he's going to have a lot of opportunity to continue to grow, continue to thrive under pressure and deal in some tight situations. So I'm liking the Irv Smith Jr. addition. Would have liked to see him a little bit longer in Minnesota, but I'm an Iowa Hawkeye fan. So having TJ Hawkinson on my quarterback position isn't bad whatsoever either, or tight end position isn't bad either. Okay, and then your three keys to success for the Bengals. So my three keys to success is protecting Joe Burrow. Like we mentioned, I kept on mentioning over and over so far at this point, he was the most stacked quarterback the year they went to the Super Bowl. Um, but getting Orlando Brown Jr. is going to be a big part of doing that, and I think that just this offensive line in general just needs to take a step forward, so that's going to be a big thing there. Next up is can the defense keep up with the offense? Uh, I know they lost Jesse Bates recently. Uh, and they lost a couple other guys, but I think their defense is not bad, but they're also not one of the best up there. I mean, they're nothing; they're not close to being like the 49ers defense, but they just need to keep up with their offense as best that they can uh, because we've seen how good their offense has been. Their defense outside of really their defensive line, I mean, that's been probably the best part of their game. As recently, I mean, their cornerbacks have been getting burnt. Now losing Jesse Bates is going to be a big thing. So it's going to be defense catching – keeping up with the offense and then keep beating the chiefs i mean it's called burrow head for a reason um, <laughs> it's going to be winning those and then also just winning the big games that's also again it's going to come down to the defense because we know the offense is going to do it's just can the defense uh stop those other the other teams and they play uh the chiefs or other teams like that Yes, yeah, so my three keys to success, the first one that I have for the Bengals is definitely prolific offense. I mean, that's a staple. I mean, the prolific offense that the Bengals do have is is something that's top-notch, and everyone knows that. I mean, you see the Cincinnati Bengals, you know that they're going to score 40 points a game or the potential to score 40 points a game. So continuing that's going to be huge for them. The thing to it that is just continuing to maintain consistency through the running attack as well as the passing attack, having a good balance of both. And that's where those teams thrive in and, and having good quarterbacks to play. And obviously it's good enough there. Defensive play, I think, is good enough to maintain. There's a lot of guys in this defense that can potentially break out, which can be a good and a bad thing for this team because you already know you get your staple guys. I think Hendrickson is a, is a big leader for this defense, obviously for, for them as he was last season. Logan Wilson, a guy, Nick Scott, a lot of guys that, have kind of started to make a name for themselves, but have really not necessarily quote unquote broken out are going to be, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how their defense and stack up there. And then don't forget to run the ball too. I mean, Joe Mixon is a reliable option. He hasn't really shown it just because of the situation he's in, but he was drafted where he was drafted for a reason. I mean, he's a guy that is a good option at the running back position, but also too, I mean, you see teams just shy completely away from running the football and, I guess it's just the nature of how it works in today's society. I, I like teams that even though they have good quarterbacks and good options on the offensive side to run the ball, I guess it's just how day and age is in today's, you know, football. But I mean, they're where they're at for a reason. So I don't, I guess you don't need to necessarily change it, but it is just something to take notice of as, as time goes on there. Okay. And then your division prediction. I think I know, but let me hear where you have them in this season. Uh, it's going to be a hard one. I'm going to have the Bengals finish <laughs> first year, I think. It's going to be tough yeah. for them, but I, I guess they're going to be finishing first this year. Yeah, I'm going to go with finishing first, too. I'm going to go a step further and say they'll be the number one team in the AFC. Why not? I mean, I think it'll be the I – mean, every year it's going to be the Chiefs, the Bills, or the Bengals, it seems like at this point. Maybe, maybe a team from the AFC South down the line, but not anytime soon. Number one overall team – I guess it's hard to compete with 
the Kansas City Chiefs, but I like the wide receiver options more. Obviously, with the Bengals compared to the Chiefs, I think there's good options there at the Chiefs. Excuse me, but there's more risk, and so that always is, is skeptical to see. But I guess we'll see. I think I have the finishing first, 14-3 record. It should be a good year for Bengals fans. Again, and maybe back to the Super Bowl, go the Bengals. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of The Truth. I hope you guys did enjoy it. If you guys did, make sure you follow The Truth on Twitter at The Truth as one to stay up to date with the latest information regarding The Truth, including podcast dates, podcast uploads, and other important information of value. We have one more team to talk about here in the ASC North Division. It is the Baltimore Ravens. If you guys missed the first 18 episodes, I believe it is, highly recommend you go check those out. We've covered the ASC, NFC, East, and South, and then obviously the three teams uh, in the mix here. So, a lot of things going on, a lot of excitement, I guess you can say, for, for teams coming up here, and we'll see what happens as time goes on, but seems to be in a good position right now. And as always, I'm your host, the one you love the most, Niall Hudson, joined once again by AJ Ponciano. Take care and good night.